You're listening to A Little Happy Podcast, weekly conversations about marriage, kids, work, friendships, and the pursuit of living an authentic life. A Little Happy Podcast, where small moments make a big life. My name is Natty Metter, and I'm so glad you found this little happy place. This week, my friend Lindsay Hine joins A Little Happy Podcast. Lindsay lives in North Carolina with four boys and her husband, Glenn, of 15 years. She's the founder of the podcast network, Sandy Boy Productions, and host of I'll Have Another and Why Is Everyone Yelling with Lindsay Hine. She's an avid runner and has completed 17 marathons, y'all, and one half Ironman. She also coaches runners to meet their own running goals. In her spare time, you'll find her reading, trying to be best friends with everyone she meets, and looking for what the next fun thing is to do. Lindsay and I dive into making friends in new places, sifting through parenting advice, and getting out of the way of our own kids, carving out time for ourselves, and how we navigate everyday life. I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Welcome back to A Little Happy Podcast. We are so glad you're with us today. Thank you for those that continue to like and subscribe and follow along uh, wherever you might be listening from. It's great um, that we are with you every week, and I am super excited today to uh, be joined by my friend, Lindsay Hine. Lindsay, how are you? Hi, I'm so good. How are you? I'm good. It's I'm so glad that we found time to do this. I, You know, you had asked me, uh, gosh, what was like a month ago probably now, um, to come on to Why Is Everyone Yelling? And it was such a fun opportunity to, to be able to talk with you. And I thought, why not do it over here too? Yes, of course. Yeah, it was super fun. And we had actually talked about recording that two years ago, I think, when I launched. Oh my gosh, I remember That's like right. some Instagram messages because this was before you even, I think, had thought about starting your podcast. But yeah, we had been exchanging messages about motherhood and whatnot for years. And I thought she'd be a good guest. And we finally did it. I know. It is incredible. I was thinking about the power of social media. And how, you know, if you, if folks listen to the episode you and I did on why is everyone yelling, they'll get a bit of backstory. But for those that are listening to A Little Happy, I thought it'd be nice for us to sort of like recenter ourselves around like how the heck we know each other. And we yeah. went to high school together where um, we were in high school at the same time. Yeah. Um, but that social media really has been the thing that has connected us over the last like 10 years or so. Yeah. I mean, cause we were, I was a grade ahead of you, but I went to the different high school in our town and, um, we just knew each other through mutual friends really. And say hi to each other if we saw each other, but didn't really know each other well. And then, yeah, there's just always a few people. I think particularly after you have kids that you end up reconnecting with because mm-hmm. you might have, you might notice similar parenting styles and things like that. And, um, <laughs> The story goes on why is everyone yelling that we were both buying pregnancy tests at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> I yes. love that story. And yeah. we have not, I come back to that story often. Yeah. So <laughs> Lindsay and I both lived in Indianapolis at the time. You don't live in Indy anymore, no, right? Raleigh, North Carolina. Yeah. Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm now back in Bloomington, but we were at a CVS, like right next to Butler's campus, both of us buying pregnancy tests. <laughs> It's and it was funny. like, didn't we, it was sort of like, we kind of knew each other and it was like, yeah. do I show her I'm buying this? I mean, it was, and it was my first pregnancy too. So everything was, I mean, everything's Same. scary in every pregnancy, but for sure that first time 
You're like, yeah. I'm not telling anybody. I'm not telling anyone. Weeks. Yeah. All right. The and then we're going to do like a reveal, you know, the crazy stuff that we do, <laughs> you know, but, um, and then really since then though, we've just caught, like you said, we've just stayed connected via social media and our, our boys are kind of about the same age. Mm-hmm. And then I think the rest of your kids and my kids sort of stair step yeah. each other a bit. Yeah. Um, so, and it was, it was so fun when you came on, uh, or when I came on to why is everyone yelling? And we talked about community and we talked about friendship and we talked about a bit of parenting and all of that has just been like circling in my brain since we last spoke. And I thought I got to get, we have to talk more. (laughs) (laughs) We got to do this. Yeah, I know. So thanks for coming on. Can you tell um, us just a little bit more about yourself? Yeah. So, um, I have four boys they are four, six, eight, and ten, and I'm about to be forty, which I've have lots of feelings about. Um, <laughs> and I grew up in Bloomington, lived in Indianapolis for twenty years, eighteen years, something like that. And we packed up and moved to Raleigh, North Carolina, about two years ago, sort of on a whim, um, mm-hmm. sort of for my husband's job, but really mostly like we wanted a change, and we thought now is the time. And so an opportunity presented itself and we ran with it. And um, I'm a big runner. I've been running since I was 15. I've run 17 marathons. Dang, 17? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love to read. I, You know, I always say like people talk about TV being a guilty pleasure. And I'm like, why don't we ever think of books as that though? Like if it's a book, it's okay. But I spend a lot of time in books. Um, yeah. And I host a couple podcasts. I'll have another, which is for runners, where I interview professional runners, as well as Why Is Everyone Yelling, which is kind of a podcast for parents. I'm trending towards, I'm, I'm leaning towards um, making it more of like a lifestyle podcast for for women. But yeah, that's what I do. And I, like you mentioned, I love community and getting to know my neighbors and friendship. I love that. And <clears throat> excuse me, I... Um, I remember when you sort of announced on social media that you all were moving to North Carolina. And I, again, having stayed in touch with you just via social media and some of the other things, I remember thinking like, why are they going? Why are you going to North Carolina? Um, Because it didn't seem like you knew anyone necessarily. Do you have any ties to Raleigh? No, I, I have one friend that I knew from the running community and when my, when we talked about moving here, my husband was like, doesn't, doesn't that Jess girl live in, in Raleigh? And I'm like, well, I, she might live in like Virginia or the Carolinas. I'm not sure. And it just so <laughs> happens that she does. She lives in a suburb of, of Raleigh, but it's like, it's like, you know, Carmel to Indy. It's very close. Sure. Um, so yeah, we didn't know anybody. And so that was kind of scary, but I almost felt like it was more scary to just like stay and not try. Yeah, And I thought, well, we could always move back. We actually considered renting for a year and then buying. And then I felt like, oh, that gives us the out, like if we want to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I realized once we started looking around at neighborhoods, like I don't want to live somewhere for a year and then like try to get my boys plugged into this neighborhood and then move again in another year, which could have been fine. Uh, but what we ended up doing was buying and and we've really settled into this neighborhood and Oftentimes I'm walking my boys to school thinking, I can't believe like two years ago, I didn't know any of these people. It's so crazy. It is incredible. And I have so enjoyed watching 
I, I like the intention. We talked about that the last time we spoke about this sort of intention of building community out of kind of out of nothing. Um, and the decision I loved, I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about the being scared of staying and not doing anything mm-hmm. versus the fear of going to something new. Like what, what was that like? Like how did you, you and Glenn, um, approach that? Yeah. Well, I always was, I've always kind of been like the dreamer in our relationship and like, Oh, whatever. And this is like, I don't know if anybody listening is an Enneagram person, but this is like a very much a personality thing. Like I'm like, whatever's fun and exciting, let's do it. As long as it's not too scary. Um, (laughs) and my husband is a very content kind of person, doesn't overthink a lot and just is happy where he's at, which is a really amazing way to live. Um, And if he would have said like New Jersey, no offense if you live in New Jersey or like Kansas or Iowa or what, you know, I might've been like, oh, really leave all of our friends and family. But to me, North Carolina sounded fun and exciting, closer to the beach. And so, yeah, the thought of staying home and like not trying it out, I was afraid that we would just get so like complacent with our lives that we would never do anything super exciting and fun. Um, I also think you can build that into your life wherever you live if you don't move. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I do feel like this is where we are supposed to be. And um, sometimes it can feel a little bit lonely and sad. But I always remind myself, like, you felt like that where you were at home too. Like, you oh. you know what I mean? Like, I didn't, it's not like I was constantly with friends and had all these people knocking on my door 24-7 at home. Mm-hmm. So. Um, and that's one of the reasons I've been so intentional about making friends is like, I knew I needed, I knew I needed a community here ASAP. Yeah. Well, and just the, just the idea of, I love the talking about complacency. I mean, my husband, Chris and I talk about that like a lot, like just, are we just, have we just settled into This is just what we do and it's easy. So easy. Right. Because the, for me, the unknown usually is the scary stuff, you know, and, and I do, I get caught in fear of not knowing. So I'm just not going to, I'm just going to stay here in my like comfortable little bubble. And it seems like, you know, work could have been an impetus, but then also just this idea of trying something new. Um, and what a good example to set for your boys too. I mean, how was that conversation with your kids? They were, they like were really plugged in with their, a couple of their neighborhood buddies and, you know, they were sad to leave them just like we were sad to leave their mom. I was sad to leave their moms, you know, the, the buddy's moms. Cause I was really close mm-hmm. with them. Um, and they still, to this day, they'll say, Oh, we liked our house in Indianapolis better. You know, we miss Wyatt and Owen so much. And <laughs> I, I try to remind them that like, it's not that this is better. It's just different. And also they actually do have a lot more friends in this neighborhood, just given the kind of neighborhood that it is. We lived in the city in Indianapolis and it was great. Like we loved that neighborhood. It had a great community. It wasn't the same feel as what we have now. And there just weren't quite so many kids out running around. Um, so yeah, I try to remind them that like both were good for, for different reasons. And yeah, yeah, I mean, the house thing cracks me up. They're like, we liked our old room better. And I'm like, oh my gosh, all you do is sleep in your bedroom. Yeah. And you're like, how out of everything, that's what you're going to hang on to. (laughs) And we did like downsize a little bit. Like our, our other house was nicer than this house. It's, it's more expensive to live here. Like Raleigh market is crazy and Indianapolis Mm. is super affordable. 
um, even more affordable than like Bloomington, you know? Oh, I bet. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, that was another thing. It was like, oh, we had just renovated our kitchen. We had the most beautiful kitchen. You did have a beautiful kitchen. (laughs) I mean, speaking of like, obviously we didn't anticipate moving because we went all in on that kitchen. And so we had that kitchen for a year and then decided to move. Mm -hmm. And our kitchen here is fine. It's a great kitchen, but it's a down, it's a downgrade. Um, I think that's also like a lesson, like the kitchen, the kitchen didn't like, that's not what we were living for, you know? And and I don't have to have a kitchen that's as nice as that kitchen, but, um, I certainly do miss that oven and that refrigerator quite a bit. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I told you before we started, you know, we're in the middle of this like impromptu home renovation and, uh, because we had a, a leak, I think I talked, some of our listeners have known that we, we had a leak like over six weeks ago. It's been a complete nightmare. We're actually now finally almost two months later getting our house put back together. But similarly, we had renovated our house and we moved in it with like the kitchen we wanted, Mm -hmm. you know, and then you're looking at it and you're like, well, it's all going to go away. So, but it is such a good lesson in priority setting of the fact that like, is that really the thing that, that matters, you know? And um, for me, I sometimes can get caught in some of the material, like keep up, kind of stuff if I'm not careful. And I love the perspective of other people who navigate that too, because it's really easy, I think. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people could have been like, we can't move. We just renovated our kitchen. And it's like, that could have been the excuse. I mean, sure. we we certainly like, obviously we sold our house for more because of our our kitchen, but like not as much more as like what we put into it. Cause like we really went all in, like this is going to be our kitchen for the next 15 years. So like, yeah, I mean, we could have been like, we can't move. We just did our kitchen. But to me, I'm like, what fun is that? (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it just gets to what you said earlier of just, you're not going to know until you try. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. So tell me, speaking of not know until you try, like, tell me how I think as women, it is so hard to make friends. Mm. (laughs) I mean, you know, I think, I think back, like I have some friends, like some lifelong friends and I've met friends through work. And, and so usually I think, you know, in our age, like late thirties, almost 40 with kids, it's easier to connect with women because of school stuff or because of work or because you're involved in church or whatever that looks like, but like to really find a community of women, how have you navigated that moving into a place you didn't know anyone, but your one running friend? (laughs) Yeah. Which who I don't even get to see very much because even though it's only 20 minutes away, like that's kind of far (laughs) and we both have busy full schedules with our kids. Um, yeah, I think the most intimidating thing is assuming that everybody else already has their people and they don't Mm. have room for you. Mm -hmm. And it's really easy to assume that and just think, I don't want to be annoying. I don't want to feel like they have to hang. They feel like they have to hang out with me or they're doing favors because they know I'm new. Um, so you have to like somehow get over that and, there's this whole like best friend concept too. Like, oh, they already have their best friends. Like, you know what I mean? And which means like, there's not space for me. And that's just maybe for some people that might end up being true. And that sucks because you feel rejected. Um, But if you give yourself the opportunity to be vulnerable and and, like let them let you in, Mm -hmm. you might see something you never knew you could imagine. Like I'll give an example my friend, my neighbor, Ingrid, that's two houses down. This woman knows everybody. I mean, Mm -hmm. and she's, she's from North Carolina. She went to UNC. So 
she's got like if you're from Indiana, it'd be like being from Blooming or being mm-hmm. from Indian going to Bloomington, IU, like all the people are here. And so she's got her college friends. She's got her friends at her club that she plays tennis at. She, you know, she just, I feel like she would never have space for me. Yeah. And she's a little bit different than me. She runs around with different crowds than I would normally naturally run around with. And so that in itself is an intimidating factor. Like, oh, I can't keep up with those like club girls. Like I'm not, I'm not a country (laughs) club girl. Right. And what I've quickly realized is that she does have space for me and she might run around with that crowd and this crowd and I don't have to fit into those circles or the, and I don't have to mold myself to those, those groups, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and we're neighbors. So even though she's really close with her college friends and her club friends and all these people, like there's something really natural and easy about being able to just like walk over to someone's house. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I could have easily been like, she doesn't have space for me. Part of that is on me for like being forward with her. And then part of it is on her because she, she opened her arms and then she was open with me as well. So, I mean, it definitely takes two people willing to be vulnerable, but had I not stepped out of my comfort zone, maybe this friendship wouldn't have even happened. And she's easily one of the people I'm closest to in, in my, you know, little community. Yeah. There's something there about, um, about, taking up space. Mm-hmm. Like I was actually just talking to my therapist about this last week, like that I get really uncomfortable when I feel like I take up space. Mm-hmm. Um, but as women, do you think we, uh, do we downplay, do we try and minimize the space we take up? Cause we feel like it's a burden. Or like you said, they're like, maybe they already have their best friend. Like there's so much doubt there in this idea of us being able to take up space and in, in community, um, I mean, I struggle with that daily still. In fact, I actually went and had lunch with a friend. My mom and I went over and had lunch with a friend who just had a baby and her mom. And I was sharing some stories about my kids. And I swear, I still, that was on Monday. Today's Thursday. I still, I woke up this morning and was like, did I talk too much uh, at lunch? Like, why? Why are we, Why? Do you have like any tricks on how to not do that? Oh my gosh. I think about that all the time. I'm like, did I, I, I used to get in the habit of like texting friends after we'd be together and being like, I'm sorry if I I'm so sorry. Entire time. What? I know. And it's funny. It just depends on who the friends are. Like I've, I've left houses too, where I felt like I didn't even try to get a word in cause they talked so much, you know, I've been on mm-hmm. both ends and I'm a very talkative person. So I'm more so on the end of, oh shoot. I talk too much. Um, and then I have friends like my friend, Emily Gunselman and she's very quiet and she's a very good listener. She'll talk if you let her talk, but like you always leave her thinking, Oh my gosh, she's probably like, get me out of, get her out of my house. Like she's just like, (laughs) I'm so exhausted. She's like, she literally just took up all the air. Right. Yeah. I mean, I was, I just thought about that the other day because we were walking to a meeting in the neighborhood, like a foundation meeting that was at someone's house. And I was walking with two of my, two of my neighbor friends. And the one woman was talking about her new like anxiety medication. And I swooped in and just felt like I dominated the conversation because this is a new to me thing to new thing to me too. And mm-hmm. All afterwards, I was like, oh my gosh, I totally made that about me. Yeah. But like, isn't the next question, shouldn't the next question be, isn't that okay sometimes? 
you know? I think it is. Yeah. And, but also just being open with the people, like, I think that that, that is one Mm. way that we can make it not so uncomfortable is oftentimes I'll just be like, oh my gosh, I totally just took that over that conversation. I'm sorry. You know? Yeah. Calling it out for what it is. You know, I think there's some, yes, absolutely. And I do that often, oftentimes, especially when I'm trying to make connection with people. Yeah. Like if you were to be like, this is the anxiety medicine I'm on, I'd be like, oh my God, me too. Like, okay, so now we have a connection, you know? Um, and sometimes I feel like my, that's how my heart like tries to connect to people. Um, you also had mentioned, maybe it was during our time today, or when we talked last about this idea of not feeling bad if people don't have space for you. Like if, if it's like, it's it, the, the, the whole idea of like, it's really not you, it's them because they might have other stuff going on. And so to be open about like not getting your feelings hurt off the set, like, has that helped you in terms of how you've been able to meet lots of people? I think so. I mean, rejection is hard, whether you're four, 10, 20, 40, 80, whatever. I think rejection <laughs> is always hard. Um, I like to do a lot of like last minute plans And I think it's like a protection mechanism because then I'm like, well, if they can't, it's like not, I don't need to be offended because like it's late notice. They, you know, and I do that a lot for two reasons though. One, it's easy because then it's, it's easy for them to say yes or no, depending on if they're in the mood or they might just have other plans. Um, And then for my own sake, because sometimes I don't want to make big plans ahead of time because what if my mood changes? Um, but yeah, I mean, there's also this study. I don't know where, I feel like I heard Donald Miller talking about it. Mm. I don't know if you know who he is. He's like a, well, he's a business coach, but back in the day he wrote books like Blue Like Jazz. He's mm. like a really well-known author. I forget what the statistic is, but it's like one in every 10 people might just not like you. Right. Like, <laughs> right. like not hate you, but like you just might not be their cup of tea. Yeah. And that kind of sucks, especially if they're your cup of tea and you're like, I want to be friends. Right. Like I want to drink tea with you, you know? (laughs) Yeah, that's true though. Cause think about it. Think about every single person you run into, like not everyone's going to be like on, you know, it's not going to be like your, your vibe. Right. And so how like self-centered or whatever you want to say, would it be to consider that like, I would be everyone's cup of tea too. And it's, it's a, it's a, like a dagger to the ego a little bit. You're like, Oh, totally. But why, why am I not your cup of tea? Right. And there are a couple of moms here that I've Mm. met that I'm like, Oh man, I really want to be friends with her. She's like so fun. And every time I talk to her, it's really easygoing, but we've never been able to like make that leap. And Mm -hmm. one woman in particular, I'm like, her whole family lives here. Like Mm -hmm. her, you know, like, and they have their kids and the cousins all play. And, and also she went to high school here. So she's got all, you know what I mean? It's like, and it just hasn't happened and that's okay. I would still text her tomorrow and be like, do you want to go to the park or whatever? Um, but I do have a level of like, I don't want to get rejected by her still. Totally. Well, and I think there's sometimes level that I have found in like fostering friendship with, with women, especially at our age that there, there are like different levels of yes. intensity of friends. And I was like, and I see this in my daughter. I'm like, oh, sister, you're in for like a rude awakening because I used to be all in all the time. Like mm-hmm. we're, we're going to be a hundred percent. Like you're going to hear about every single nitty gritty part of my life. And soon quickly realizing that that doesn't have to be, it's not one size fits all with some of these friendships and relationships you're in with people. And it's taken me a long time to understand 
how to navigate that? Oh, it can be really hard too. And some people have uh, more emotional capacity to hear all your junk. Mm-hmm. And you kind of have to read the room on that too. Because the other thing is, is like, there is a self-awareness piece to this. Like you don't want to, you know, like when you leave uh, somewhere and you feel like you're always drained after talking to that person, like mm-hmm. you want to be able to give your, like throw it all out there, but you also like don't want to overload people with all your stuff all the time. So right, right. I just think it's a, there's a self-awareness factor and sometimes, you know what, it is your moment and you just go, you just right. let it all out. Right. <laughs> I have found too, I mean, we talked about this a little bit and you mentioned anti-anxiety medicine and I, it just reminded me that I am so grateful to have a therapist that I can utilize as like in my like resources to be able to offload yeah. some of that serious stuff. So then when I bring it like to you as a friend, it's not like, it's, it's not completely raw. It's been yeah. sort of like someone has helped me sort of manage it and understand what I need to keep and what I need to get rid of or what I need to work through. So it's not you being like, whoa, I just was wanting to have a cup of coffee. <laughs> and I don't know. I mean, I, as I get closer to 40, I realize that, um, I have to be so intentional or I've, I've found benefit being intentional about caring for my mental and physical health. Um, and I never had to be intent. I never had to think about it before, or maybe I just didn't. Um, but I don't know if you've had experience with that. Yeah. I feel like you can only numb it for so long. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Um, I also feel like I've, I've really struggled with, I'm in therapy too. Hmm. Um, and I have like a lot of guilt with it, which my therapist <clears throat> would want me to not feel that way. Um, and the guilt is, I think it's financial guilt. I think it's Mm. like, this is, this is like, um, this, a lot of people couldn't afford to do this. And this is like, this is the ultimate way to take care of myself and also my, my family and Mm -hmm. not like you were saying, like not have to feel like I have to sift through all these things with my husband who can't handle that emotional burden and all my friends. (laughs) Right. Right. And I have time for it. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people that don't have that privilege. And so I, yeah, I have some guilt associated with it. Oftentimes I'm like, I need to do something about that guilt. Like, yeah, I'm like, do I need to start like a, as a nonprofit where people can get services? I don't know, but right. <laughs> I have lots of feeling, feelings on it, but I agree. Like it's been a really important resource for me to be able to talk through these things with a professional so that my friends and family don't have to bear all that emotional load. I I don't know if you feel this too, but like with the introduction of raising kids, I feel like has become for me more important than ever um, to consider like mental health as truly like you would just like, I bet you wouldn't feel financial burden or stress if you had to go to a doctor's appointment. Right. 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 And so I've had to really work through the That's idea of utilizing that. Like your brain is one of the most complex organs in your body. And I think sometimes in order to take care of it, you have to do it by talking and sorting through the thoughts that go into it. Um, but it's really hard for me to to justify that mm-hmm. on a biweekly basis. Right. Like I see my, like, you know, I see my therapist every other week. I have yeah. for years. Yeah. And, and I've had moments where I've had to see her every week, which I'm so grateful that I have access to that. Like I'm not, I don't, 
I, I want to make sure that's recognized that I have access to it. And that's wonderful. Um, but to take away the burden or the feeling of guilt, mm-hmm. um, because it's, you know, leveling the playing field of, of what mental health is, I think is important. I think that's such a good point. Right. Like I would not feel guilty for getting my teeth cleaned. Right. <laughs> Or like, you know, get it going to the doctor for this or that. So no, that's a good point. And I'm going weekly right now. So that's like, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. awesome, yeah. but it's awesome. Like, it, you know, in, until you can get yourself into a spot where then it like all starts to function, you get like back to neutral kind of, yeah. or the, you know, I had someone tell me, actually, my mom was mentioning this and it was such good advice. She was, she told me, you don't have to be in crisis yeah. to be in therapy. And I have appreciated that so much because when I am in crisis, then I know where I can go. Um, but when I'm not in crisis, I mean, I still got a lot of stuff that goes on in this silly brain. Like, yep. and it's rarely quiet up there. Like why? <laughs> I, I know. I was just saying to my husband the other morning, um, he, w- he was like, he oftentimes wakes up and then goes downstairs, starts the coffee and falls back asleep on the couch. I love that. <laughs> and I'll like wake him up and I'll be like, hi, good morning. And my brain's already going like this. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what are you thinking about? Are you just yeah. thinking about like waking up and going to pee and like drinking your coffee? Yeah. And he's like, yeah. I'm like, that's, right. all, you, that's all you wake up thinking about? That's You're it? You're not like going on tread, like a hamster wheel, like of anxieties and worries and things. And right. it's like, no, thinking right. about getting my coffee and, you know, I got a meeting at eight and that's about as deep right. as it goes. <laughs> right. You're like, you're not thinking about like, does like my son have lunch money and do I need to make sure that the twins have their vaccines? And do I, I mean, like that's where my brain goes. Oh, you mine's know? more like existential crisis, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, then my brain also does that. Like, am, am I taking up too much space in this, in the room? Why am I feeling like that? Like, uh-huh. absolutely. I mean, like my brain is constantly loud all yeah. the time. You know, I have a lot of that as it relates to the podcast too. I think I've shared that with you of like the, like, why am I even, I'll wake up. Usually actually I find myself thinking about that stuff when I'm on a run. And I've told you this, I've gotten back into running. It's truly been a lifesaver in addition to changing behavior and therapy and all those things. But that's usually when I started on the self-doubt of being Uh like, why am I doing that? Like, why do people care? What do people really want to listen to this? You know? And I don't know if you spend, you said you were a runner. I don't know if you spend your time running, um, like in thought or do you, is that a time where your brain just decides to shut down and you can just be present? Oh no, I'm never just present. <laughs> no. <laughs> I try What's really present? Hard. Right. I try really hard to practice that. I'm actually my a friend of mine gave me a book called Aging for Beginners, which is kind of funny because I'm not that old. Okay, I love that. I need to know what this is. <laughs> well, it all she's a she's an ER doctor and and a palliative care doctor. Cool. And um she's also a breast cancer survivor. And um I always have this like I have this really like uh, obsession with death that I'm so scared of it and think Mm. about it. You know, everybody thinks about it sometimes, but like I think about it all the time. Yeah. That creates like big space in your brain. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so I was talking to her about this because I'm like a fascinated, you're a palliative care doctor. Like you like live in this, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, 
she told me about this. She, she actually just bought, like bought me this book and gave it to me. <laughs> She's like, please read this. Lindsay. Yeah. When we were in Boston <laughs> and I was like, Oh, you didn't tell me the title was aging for beginners. <laughs> <laughs> like really subtle, but it's, um, yeah. I mean, and I've read lots of books around the topic of like being present. Like if you're living in the past or the future, they're like, you're just, you're really truly not living. You're not, you're not being right here. And so mm-hmm. anyway, this book is, is a lot about that. So when I say I'm never present, please know that I'm trying. Yeah. <laughs> right. Have you found, I mean, seriously though, the same, I was, I just had lunch with a friend and they were like, you seem a little distracted. I'm like, yeah, because my brain, it like can't come down to, it's not sitting. It's yeah. like swirling around and I, I find it just, it gets really loud. Um, that's the only way I can put it. And so to be able to quiet it oftentimes takes, uh, me having conversations like this to be like affirmed and validated that I'm not the only one, hopefully that feels that way or like get out into the outside world, like, and put on my running shoes and go for a run by myself and listen to music. Cause then my brain just, I allow it just to like wander, Mm -hmm. you know? And by the end, usually I come back feeling much more grounded. Um, but it takes, I mean, talk about, it takes like presence to be present. I know that sounds ridiculous, No, but, um, but it's hard. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. And when I run, it's either with a friend. So that's like social hour. Mm -hmm. Um, Or I'm usually listening to music and I have all these big dreams and ideas. I mean, that's how I started my original podcast, I'll Have Another, which is the one for runners. I kept thinking on my runs, I want to start this podcast. And then you get home and like life goes on and you never do it. And I finally was just like, this is eating away at me. Like I'm obsessing over, I'm thinking about it. Every time I run, I have these big thoughts. And so that's when I launched it. Um, Sadly, I get lots of big thoughts on runs and then I come back and I don't execute on lots of them. Yeah. <laughs> but but sometimes I do. And when I do, it's always really great. So yeah, my, my big ideas usually happen. It's it's on the run or in the shower, right? Yeah. Oh, always on the run in the shower or at two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, exactly. You know, you and your husband both are, are pretty big runners, aren't you? Yeah. He started running when we were in college. Uh, we started dating the summer before our senior year and... I remember we ran a 5k together. We ran Hoosiers that run cancer yep. and, um, he walked halfway through. And so I like to give him a hard time about that. <laughs> um, I think he still beat me though, which is interesting. I did not walk, uh, but yeah, I had been a like, consistent <laughs> runner for a long time. He just ran out too fast. And then yeah. he was like, I got to walk up this hill, which is comical because he's, you know, he's done a full Ironman. He's done 20 some marathons. He's done hundred K ultra, Incredible. Um, and now he just runs for fun. He's done trying to run fast. Um, but he probably runs seven miles a day. So he run, you know, he runs That's incredible. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, talk about building community. I know I've seen uh, through, I mean, through I'll have another for your podcast. And I saw that you were just out in Boston at the Boston marathon and you were doing some speaking stuff. I mean, has that opened up a community of people to you? Um, much different than, you know, your neighborhood friends, let's say that you've met in Raleigh. What's that community look like for you over the years? Yeah, it's pretty wild. I mean, when I started in the online space in the running world, it was like 2012, you know, and it was totally different then. Yeah. Instagram was just becoming a thing and the culture and the market and everything has changed so much 
almost in an exhausting way, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, even at this event this weekend, I was like, oh my gosh, this is not what it used to be. And that's a good thing. But just figuring out how to navigate that landscape has been kind of challenging to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I have a whole community of friends in the running space that are some of my best friends, you know, that I only know because of running. And, and it is one of those things where like, I know you because of Twitter in 2012, yeah. you know, isn't what, that? <laughs> yeah. Like my girlfriend that I stayed with in Boston that we over the weekend, like I literally met her on Twitter in like 2011 before I even had my first son. So it's wild. And there are certain people that I've, I've stayed really close to. And then people that I interact with here and there, but yeah, there's a group that I would not know otherwise. And they're some of my closest friends. Isn't that crazy? I swear it comes back to, those are the best stories around the power of social media, of connection through social media and Twitter. Can you imagine like now connecting to someone? I mean, I guess it still happens through Twitter, but it's not as, o- it's not yeah. as often because it's Instagram and yeah. fa- I don't even know if Facebook's a thing. Like I still have Facebook. Um, I do, but I like, hardly ever get on. But think like, was were there podcasts even happening? I mean, podcasting is kind of a, a newer thing oh, now. It's huge now. Yeah. And so, um, and it's wonderful because we get to all just like share these experiences with each other. Um, I think about the the people that I've started to follow recently as it relates to some like the ways in which I'm approaching parenting. And I turn to Instagram more often, I think, than I'd like to admit, because I have started to follow people who uh, are approaching it sort of in the same way or or differently. And I'd like to, it's like the, I'm striving to be, you Uh know, and I consider you one of those people um, because, well, because I love watching, first of all, your boys are darling. And I swear Sandy, um, Sandy or Marsh, wait, it's Marshall. Marshall Lewis, Russell, Sandy, Russell, Russell and my Henry, I feel like would be like thick as thieves, um, (laughs) which would be probably a big, crazy time. Um, but I love the way that it seems that you and your husband are pretty intentional with how you are approaching parenting. And especially in a time where things like iPads and screens Mm. and this idea of being inside. And my kids, we're really struggling with that right now with the amount of time they're on video games and their iPads. It's constant. And can you talk about like your approach at all to how you guys set up your days for your boys to be outside and being kids? Well, I mean... (laughs) First of all, they do do video games and are on screen sometimes. And sometimes it's way more than I would like. And we just have to like take it away for a few days because it's just like taken over. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But we didn't even introduce the video games to the older ones until they were a little bit bigger. And I think that that was helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're actually really struggling with the Xbox right now. We got them an Xbox for Christmas and it was like, it's, it's, it's a fight. It's constantly sister. It's like. It's all consuming at our house. Right. And I'm like, I let, cause my husband's argument is always like, I grew up playing video games. I'm fine. Yep. <laughs> different now though. The access is different. The games are different now. And mm-hmm. so, um, none of our, our kids have never had like personal iPads or tablets or anything like that. We go on road trips. Nobody has their own personal devices. And sometimes I think, oh, wouldn't it be easy if they all just had their own little Kindle fire and they could play games. Yeah. But one of the things that I feel very, very passionate about is my kids need to learn how to be bored and they need Mm. to learn how to just be if there's nothing to do. Mm -hmm. And 
that is why like we've never had tablets or games or TVs in the car, you know, like all the vans now have, have TVs. Mine does. (laughs) Yeah. we've, We've never used it. Well, and it's crazy. I'll tell you because my kids now, the twins, you know, they'll be five in a month. They expect, they don't expect, but they assume that the T that between our house yeah. and daycare, yeah. that they can watch a movie. Right. And, and that's like, what my fear was. Well, it comes true. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it's not to say that your kids are not awesome and like, won't be great because totally. that happens. I was like, I don't want all that noise. So actually we bought our van and it had a video thing in it. And like within a week, one of my kids put a bunch of my business cards in the CD dispenser and <laughs> yeah. it broke. And they yeah. were, I think it was going to cost like $800 to fix. And I was like, well, we're never nope. fixing that. Nope. That's uh, that's done. But I also was very much like, if we get this van, that video is only ever being used for road trips. Yeah. So um, we've, we've never had any devices or anything in the car. And I think that that has been big because it teaches them they can just sit there. Now, listen, we are giving ourselves, this is what we call voluntary hardship on our part. Yes. We are giving ourselves a hardship and it, like, makes us feel a little bit crazy. Cause if they were just to look at screens, it, the car would probably be quiet. Totally. Well, and is there something, as you were talking, I was thinking like, is there something about like letting go of control too, yeah. a bit of like, or, or just letting go in general? Because I find if I can put, and I do it, I put my kids in front of an iPad or I turn the TV down, I'm controlling, right. I'm controlling the environment. Like I'm controlling yes. them being quiet because I need quiet and so what you're doing is like, let, like, I, I think is letting go a bit of that and like loosening the reins on kids, just being able to be kids at like of them just going outside and running around and playing and not constructing too much stuff for them. Um, and I wonder if that's something that you feel like you navigate to. Well, that's one of the things I think if you want to, um, if you want your kids to free play more and, and do all this is that, is that you have to give up that control. You have to give up caring that your house is going to get messy, that walls are going to get broken and colored on and that kids are going to get hurt. Like (laughs) you have to be willing to give all that up. Like your kids are going to come in with filthy feet and just be so messy. And I think that it's a gift that God gave me that like the messiness of that Mm -hmm. doesn't get to me so much. Now, don't get me wrong. Like I feel crazy when my house is a disaster, but it's kind of like compartmentalizing it. Like I know this space is really messy right now and that's just how it's going to be. But yeah, I mean, I think that we totally give our, do a disservice to our kids when we do control everything because what happens is, is they're not as creative, Mm -hmm. you know, some of the best sports skills my kids have ever picked up is by playing in the front yard and figuring out themselves rather than being at a practice and someone teaching them how to, how to do things. Oh, sure. And also figuring out the issues with the neighbors. Like I can't tell you how many times a neighbor kid comes in crying because something's not fair. Somebody did that. And I'm like, you guys are going to just have to like work it out. You know, as long as someone's not like hurt or whatever. Right. Um, there's just so much value in that, but yeah, giving up the obsession with cleanliness and messes. And this is what I always say too about community is that you have to care less about your house and your things than, and more about the people. Yeah. Like you have to care 
our downstairs bathroom is disgusting. It's gross. <laughs> and if someone's coming over, I will like really quickly make sure the toilet's not gross. But like, right. you know what I mean? Like those are things that I could upset. Like people can't come over right now because like, oh, it's yeah. messy. But you just have to let go of the mess and care about the relationships more. Oh, I needed to hear that because I get so caught in making sure everything is has a place yeah. and keeping everything in, in place. And I mean, our downstairs, you know, our, our I mean, we have three kids. They're, two of them are twins, you know, and they, they have like their own special frightening alliance of strength. Um, and, <laughs> um, but like we have two big holes in our drywall down our hallway that like they've put like small rubber animals down. Like who knows what someone's going to find <laughs> when they, when That's someone awesome. moves into our house. But I'll tell you, there is something so beautiful about when I have the opportunity to let go of that and just let the kids run in and out of the house. Um, and also, but while also respecting the fact that there are like house rules, you know, I was just thinking that it's challenging, right? Like, so how do you, how do you like balance it between the, like, it's going to get messy and you got to respect our stuff. Not well, not well. I know. I was just thinking, I'm like, God, my Lexapro gets like a real good workout. Like my anti-anxiety medicine gets a real good workout when I decide to like let go or what I like be the fun mom, uh-huh. which I'm like, why do we have to define ourselves by that? I you know, know? Um, but it's true. And, um, and when my kids are outside playing without, I tell Chris all the time, I, I have told him, I think that we get in the way. Yeah. Of our kids. Yeah. Often. And so this idea of getting out and letting them just be, um, I see, I think that's what you and Glenn do because I see it and it is so, it's so fun to watch them because they do sort of troubleshoot on their own and figure the world out. Cause that's kind of what we're supposed to be doing. I think. I mean, it's chaotic for sure. And I think that that's the, that's the thing is like to, to be able to like live in the chaos can be really hard. And I do think sometimes it comes off as like, oh, the kids are out of control. They're disrespectful. They're wild. And that stuff does happen. But, um, I think mostly they're just being kids and right, you know, and yeah, I mean, I can, my, my sister-in-law, for instance, like her kids don't walk outside without shoes on Mm. like ever. (laughs) It's just like, they know they don't do that. And to me, those kinds of things, like they don't matter to me. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if my kids have shoes on. Of course, I don't want them to like step on a nail, but like, I'm just never gonna like be the barrier for going outside is that you have to put your shoes on or people will message me on Instagram. And they're like, oh my gosh, how do you get the stains out of their clothes when I post videos of them all muddy? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't, they just yeah. have stains on their clothes, <laughs> right. you know? And so, yeah. And, and some people just like, they care about that stuff and that Mm -hmm. matters to them and that's fine. Um, but it doesn't matter to me. So that's, yeah. Well, and it's so nice to like, thank you for sharing that because I think there is something really cool about this idea that we all approach parenting different. And my goal in like life right now is to sort of like pick pieces up along to sort of like reconstruct the way I do things. Cause I need perspective from other people. Like often, um, to be able to approach life and especially parenting right now. Like just when you think that you figured it out, or at least just when I think I figured it out, something changes. And then you're like, now what, you know? And I, I told my husband the other day, I think I've had this revelation that 
like our job as parents is to help our children get ready for the outside world, um, to be independent and to be joyful and to be responsible and to be curious and creative. And I don't know if you, if that's how you approach parenting or if you had any advice for anyone listening that are parents about, um, the best way to approach that. But those are the types of, those are the types of things I wake up with at 6am when my Uh husband's just getting coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was actually just talking to, um, Dr. Siggy Cohen about this on Mm -hmm. why is everyone yelling podcast and a couple of my favorite parenting experts, which I am not, um, that I've had the opportunity to interview a resounding theme that I always walk away from these conversations with is like to stay curious Mm. with your kids and to ask them questions and to instead of coming at them with accusatory like comments or questions, come at them with questions of curiosity. Like if they do something that you perceive as bad or wrong or disrespectful, kind of just being more like, Hmm, that was an interesting choice. Can you tell me more about that? Uh Um, we are inundated with parenting experts and ways to do this and ways to do that. Yep. And we're never going to do it perfectly and that's okay. And we also don't have to totally lean into like these super specific gentle parenting ways if that doesn't work for our family. <laughs> like that's yes. a very strong tension I hold because mm-hmm. um, I learned so much, but at the same time, it just doesn't always work out that way and that's okay. And we don't need to feel guilty yeah. about that. Yeah. You're, you're right though. There are so many, you can almost be paralyzed by the amount oh. of information. Um, so it's always nice to know. And I know at the end here, we'll have, Uh, direct people to your um, Instagram and to your podcast so people can follow along because it's always nice to be pointed in a direction to at least know where to start with some of that stuff to be curious about things. So thanks for, you know, mentioning that. Before we end though, I wanted to know if there's anything that you want to leave listeners of a little happy podcast. You know, I always, I have loved, and I think I shared this with you earlier today. um, I've loved listening to people's perspectives on life and marriage and kids and mental health and all of these things. And, um, so it's always nice to be left with something. Do you have anything, um, you want to share with listeners? I would just say like, stay curious, like we were talking about. And it's like Ted Lasso, stay curious, be curious, not not judgmental. (laughs) I think with our kids and with our peers and our spouses and our friends, um, the teachers that our kids are working or that are mm. working with our kids. I always just think, stay curious, like what's going on in, in someone else's life. And, um, also what has gone on in someone else's life that's contributing to why they might be acting like this or saying this, mm-hmm. we just all come at situations from different backgrounds and perspectives, childhoods and, it's easy to think this or that about someone, but if we can stay curious about where they're actually coming from and like how they developed as a human and all these things, um, we would all get along a lot better. And I think that goes with parenting too. If we stay curious about why our kid might be doing a certain thing or, you know, making choices that we perceive as bad, like why? Maybe they're just hungry. I don't know. (laughs) 
So my that message is, like, is stay curious. I love that. And 99% of the time they're hungry. I know. I'll, I have to share this one story, then we'll wrap up. But so the other night, um, you know, we're in this house construction. It's like two o'clock in the morning. And I think I hear the TV on mm. and I'm like, why is there a TV on? You know, I'm like, maybe someone left a TV on downstairs. So I go downstairs. No one's downstairs. It's completely dark. My daughter is in bed with us. So I know it's not her. I go into the 11 year old's room, 10 year old's room. He's asleep. And my other, the five-year-old Henry, he's, I'm thinking like he's asleep too. So I get back in bed, like 15 seconds go by and TV. I'm like, there's a TV on. So I go, I open up Henry's door and he is underneath, he's awake, 2.30 in the morning, underneath the covers. And he's got his iPad, like when we were talking, he's got it, he's got his, like a Kindle tablet watching Power Rangers <laughs> and and eating <laughs> granola bars. That's like, so good. That he had gotten up out of bed, walked downstairs into the construction zone, gotten granola bars, come back upstairs. And he was like having his little midnight snack and he was naked, even better. <laughs> He'd taken all of his clothes off. And I'm like, Henry, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I was just a little hungry. So I went downstairs and got a snack and now I'm watching Power Rangers. <laughs> and it's just like this idea, you know, like 99, they're hungry all the time. Yeah. You know, and yeah. he, I'm like, of course he thought it was like the perfect opportunity to like, you know, he's going to have a little Henry time, uh -huh. you know? So but, what did you do? So I was like, you know what, buddy, I'm, I'm glad you got a snack, but it's two o'clock in the morning. Like even the birds are sleeping. That's usually our like metric. Right. Oh, I love that. And, um, and so I said, let's like, let me take your, let's turn the power rangers off. And of course he was halfway through his granola bar. And so he stopped and he said, well, can I finish my granola bar? Like, well, <laughs> Of course you can. So then of course he finishes the granola bar um, and he went right back to bed. So I'm like, maybe we, they just need full tummies. That's hysterical. That's you know? so good. Now you can tell anyway. that story until you can tell that story like at his wedding. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, so many, I know you have those two of your boys. Um, well, thank you, Lindsay, yeah. for joining us today. It was so fun. We could, I could talk forever with you. Um, it's been really fun to reconnect um, both here and on Why Is Everyone Yelling. For those that are listening, where can we find you on Instagram? Lindsay Hine 626 is my Instagram. Awesome. And then both of your podcasts, can you share those names again so people can find you? On, are they on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everywhere yeah. to listen? What are those called again? Yeah. So the podcast for runners is called I'll Have Another. And I mostly interview professional runners over there. And then the podcast, the Lifestyle Parenting Podcast, where I am not the parenting expert. <laughs> um, <laughs> that is called Why Is Everyone Yelling? Awesome. Well, thank you again. As you um, all know, you can find me at natdm19 on Instagram. Uh, and like I said at the beginning, thanks for those that continue to listen. Um, if you feel so inclined to like or follow or leave a comment, um, that is a wonderful way of spreading the word for this little happy thing that we're doing over here. So until next week, set some intentions for yourself. Um, be curious about your children or your friends or your family or your loved ones, just set some curiosity, be kind and gentle. And we hope that you find a little happy along the way. We'll chat again real soon. Mm -hmm.